Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. How's it going, everyone? This is the Go Long Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, for sharing with a friend, and most of all, for subscribing to golongtd.com. Because when you do that, you get to hang out with current and former players from around the NFL. We're going to ramp up our happy hours in a big way this 2022 NFL season. And what better way to get it rolling than with Wyatt Teller. If you read our story last season at Go Long, he's a hell of a good time. And uh, he did not disappoint on Saturday. So he busted out the whiskey, joined us live from his whiskey bar in Northeast Ohio. It was a riot. We have the full episode here for everybody. Want to give you a sense for what you're going to expect, what you can expect uh, when you subscribe to go along. So hope you enjoy and be sure to reach me anytime uh, at Ty Dunn at Twitter, golongtd at gmail.com. Let me know who you want to hang out with. Is there a player, you know, current, former, that you want to share a drink with? Reach out, let me know, and we'll do everything in our power to make it happen. Thank you so much, everyone. So this is the new. Is this the new place? Then this is different than uh, than I remember. Yeah. So we uh, we ended up buying a house here in Westlake, and um, yeah, we uh, we spent the whole off season filling it up and making sure it looks all right. Here, let's see if I can turn this around. I don't know if I can, but oh yeah, here we go. I'm like an old man with technology, but yeah, it looks pretty cool. Ooh, oh, look that's at that. Sick. Wow, that's cool. The VT, yeah. I mean, it looks good. We have a little Sorry. gym and a movie room. There's a bit of uh, a gator picture right there. But, there um, it is. Yeah, but yeah, there's a uh, this is this is actually pretty cool. I think you guys like this. My agent got me a wedding gift, and it's a Pappy Van Winkle barrel. Of course, with all the, the family on there. But, oh, that's but yeah, beautiful. so that's that's. I get sometimes a little bit afraid my dog will run down here and just absolutely smash into it, but so far, so good. <laughs> so, yeah, how much Pappy do you have now uh, versus when we were hanging out at, at your old place? <laughs> well, I have all the same bottles. I've just, like, you know, like uh, the Lot B, I added another Lot B, so I had, you know, one to actually have on the wall and then one to drink. Um, and right now I'm actually going through a 15 uh, right here. So oh. pretty tasty. It felt like stealing yeah. from you. You gave me a good, healthy pour, too. That was, that was a couple things. Hey, I, I I'm not going to skimp out on pours, man. <laughs> well, it's great to see you, Wyatt. Great to hear you. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a bit. Uh, your life has uh, changed quite a bit, too, since we were hanging out. You're, you're going to be a dad. I know I'm going to be a dad. I have a house. I have a long contract. A lot, a lot has changed. It's been uh, absolutely amazing. Life is life is good to be Wyatt Teller, but was it four years, fifty six point eight mil? Is that what it uh, came out to pre taxes? I and I get mad at myself. So my college football number was fifty seven, right? And I I I missed the ball. I should have been like, no, I'm dying on this hill. Give me fifty seven, but I didn't. I, I thought, hey, they're they're nice enough to give me what uh what I'm getting. So. Yeah, I wonder what, what that's like. You know, how do you kind of squeeze out a little bit more? I I just traded out my old truck for a new one, 
And I tried, I tried to squeeze a little bit at, at the negotiation, like, hey, can we, like another 500 or so. Like when you're working your contract, how do, when it gets to the end, how do you kind of get a little bit more? Yeah. So usually towards the end, it's, it's like, Hey, I think Andrew Barry gave me a call right at the end. And he was like, Hey, what matters the most? Like, what do you care the most about? And I was just like, you know, I, I think that the number we're at is fine. You know, I think that length, you know, I didn't want to have a five, six year deal where, you know, I'm 33, 34 going into my third deal. That's an old man. Um, it's hard to get another three, four year contract out of there. So, you know, kind of do something where I'm 31, 32. And uh, I thought that was uh, kind of a smart, uh, smart idea. I mean, it's, I yeah, know it was, it was funny. He just goes, what matters the most? And I was like, that's it. I, I don't really care. Let's just get this deal done. I, I'm, I'm ready to go play football. I remember it was halfway through the season. I was like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just, I'm not worried about this. Let's worry about winning games, but. Hey, well, no, I mean, no team option for 200k at you know at the end there. Yeah, no, I know. I was like, hey, we couldn't we couldn't fight to get something on there, but no, it was overall it was. I I didn't really care about. Like I said, I dropped the ball on it. I wasn't even thinking about it. I think towards the end, our the number moved a little bit up. We had just played Cincinnati and we played really well and won a big game. And I remember, uh, yeah, he. Uh, he was like, Hey, you know, I think that the number you're talking about, we were talking about 14 two. He was like, yeah, I think that that's a, it's a good number. And he goes, is that where you want to say? I was like, yeah. So that was kind of like the last second. It's like, maybe I could have pinched out another $50,000 a year. I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not crying about it. Well, it's well-deserved. I mean, I've said it a million times uh, on here, but if you were to create like a Jerry West logo for everything that we want Go Long to be, it's, it's Wyatt Teller. It's just <laughs> you know, taking names, it's kicking ass, it's drinking whiskey, it's hunting alligators. Uh, That's right. Yeah, that, was, that was such a wild, fun time at, at your old place. It's just great to have you here. I just figured we'd yeah. bring some folks in and, and shoot the bull. But like, I mean, how how – how is life? First of all, we're getting into football, but like when you find out you're going to be a dad, you've got a new house. Like, how do you kind of balance that all with, you know, being a pro bowl guard and. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's definitely exciting. You know, I think that, uh, you know, starting a family made sense. I know that there's a lot of guys my age who are still, you know, looking for the right girl, whatever, go, whatever's going on. But, you know, uh, I think it was, an, it was a good step forward. Um, you know, I, I view a lot of, uh, you know, these little steps as, you know, big monumental things, um, you know, owning a house, I think my first house while being bigger than most people's first house, it's still like, you know, it's a, it's a nice, it's a nice feeling to have something that I can call home. Um, you know, as well as, you know, somewhere I can put my, all my junk, but, um, but you know, it's, it's also really cool. You know, last year getting married, you know, that was a big, uh, big change. And then, um, you know, now, uh, Carly being pregnant, I mean, it's an absolute, absolute blessing, but you know, I've been trying to sleep a lot this off season because I know right when that, uh, that baby comes, there's no more sleep for about a year. So maybe longer. So hopefully, <laughs> and we found out it's going to be a boy. So, uh, that's exciting. So we get to carry on the namesake, um, which is exciting. That's awesome, man. Great to you. How, how's Carly doing with, with the pregnancy? Everything good? Doing okay. Yeah, she's good. She's, she's up and down. I mean, she'll have moments where she's, uh, She's been sick and other moments where, you know, um, she's gotten her appetite back and stuff. So yes. I think right now, you know, she's in her second trimester. It's kind of the up and down um, of just, you know, feeling good, feeling like crap. You know, the best way she says is, you know, it's like feeling like you're hungover for five, six months. <laughs> that's, that's what my <laughs> wife said, too. Yeah. And, and not, not like a, not like a half hungover, like a real, real hungover. I'm like, no, I can't do that. I'm, well, the, the line you have to use, I think, I mean, Gina got sick of me using it. It was funny at first, and then it just got old, is when people ask that question, you know, how things go. You just got to say, you know, this, this pregnancy has been tough on the both of us. You know, it's a- <laughs> it's been it's been rough. It's been rough. <laughs> but no, but she's uh, awesome. You, you, you hit the jackpot. She's just, like, incredible in every way. It was great seeing her two yeah. down there. I know, and it's amazing how um, the other week she was actually um, – she went down to Austin to hang out with Baker, you know, with all the stuff going on, you know, it's, it's nice that we still have that, you know, that personable relationship with, you know, between Carly and Emily Baker's wife, um, as well as Baker. And I, I mean, I didn't go down. It was a girl's weekend. That would be kind of weird, but um, you know, it was, he, he took him out on the boat and he had a good time, but you know, it's, you know, it's that brotherhood that, you know, you gain and, you know, luckily, 
you know, it's kind of cool how Carly, uh, you know, kind of facilitated that almost a little bit with Emily. She was best friends with Emily. And then, you know, Baker and I hung out more because of that. But, uh, you know, and then Baker and I obviously become best friends. But, you know, it's kind of funny how um, how amazing she is and how down to earth. And uh, like I said, when she went down there, you know, all of her, all of Emily's friends from Nebraska were there. And Carly, you know, Carly from Virginia uh, was the only girl that really wasn't one of her high school or, you know, college buddies that wow. was there. So um, it kind of shows you what kind of person she is. And, uh, you know, sometimes she gets in trouble on Twitter for being almost too diehard. And, you know, if anybody, if you're on the other side of it, you know, you're like, you know, you know, you always want a loyal person. And I'd say that she's no doubt. Loyal. Love she's that. a pit bull. That's what you want. That's what you want. Well, it's a funny story because I've been told Baker Mayfield is a terrible teammate. So I don't know how uh, much credence all that has. He's just a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I've, you know, it's funny how, you know, everybody, and I was talking to someone about this the other day and there's two ways you can look at it, right? Like a lot of people are, you know, 40, 50, 60 years old. And they're like, Oh, how could, how could that person that I look up to mess up? And then they, and they, I, I think forget that. Oh yeah. That kid's 23 years old. He's a cocky little kid. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it, and as, as you know, as the whole thing with Baker being childish went around this off season, you know, it was, it was funny how Baker just, you know, he had an opinion and he was willing to die on that hill. I mean, I, there's different kinds of people. I mean, I wouldn't have done it. I probably would have stayed away yeah. from, uh, from all the nastiness, but uh, you know, I think that Baker is entitled to an opinion and, you know, I think he, uh, I think he's going to do good things in Carolina. Yeah. I'm excited for him. But I don't think he's going to do good things week one. I'm really <laughs> yeah, you can kind of like le- lean in. Like when you, I don't know, you can kind of go full heel. I don't think he's gone like full heel, but you can kind of lean into the controversy and lean into the hate and feed off of it to an extent. <laughs> I mean, any professional athlete, it's tempting. Like you're, you're not even on Twitter. Like you don't give yeah. a shit about any of that. So you're not one of those guys, I guess. But it, it might be tempting. Like you hear bad things said about you to somehow lean into it and feed off of it and like try to prove yeah. people wrong. I, and I think that Baker plays really well with a chip on his shoulder. I mean, he's that undrafted free agent guy who is, you know, he made a name for himself being, you know, a chip shoulder, right. Being the other size guy who outworks the, everybody else. So I don't know. I think he's going to do good things, but again, I, I, you know, he said, uh, I think I said, all I want is that six Jersey after the game. You know, that's what I text him after he got traded. <laughs> We've already really? talked about you know a bunch of stuff, but I was like, yeah, I bet I want that six jersey. And he was like, yeah, I bet you'll be uh, in such a bad mood after we whoop that butt that you'll just pout and walk off the field. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, if you if you're standing upright, you know, if your tackles can stop our DNs, then yeah, you're you can. Uh, I guess that jersey will be nice and worn in. Uh, so you know, we're so we're the already trash talk has yeah. begun. It's already started, but no, I, obviously, I want to see number six do do great things. Well, he's not going to be number six. That's what's what's funny. I guess that punter said that they weren't going to give up the jersey. I guess he's made a name being Carolina's kicker, but I don't know. It's a power move for a punter. I mean, that's pretty ballsy. Power move. Yeah. Uh, I respect it. I respect it. <laughs> All right, All right, well, maybe uh, Baker, maybe Baker's met him before and like pissed him off or something. He's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> He owes a debt, right? There's some kind of yeah, debt exactly. there that we don't know about. <laughs> but, yeah, no. So, uh, I don't know what Jersey's going to be, but I guess not six. All Crazy. right, I'll shut the hell up. I know we got a few people uh, probably got some questions for you, Wyatt. So, let's hear it, guys. Wyatt, how are you doing, Matt? Good. Awesome. So, I had a couple questions first off. Um, could you tell us what the experience of being traded from Buffalo to Cleveland was like? Did you see it coming at all? Was it like a surprise to you? Did it develop a ship on your shoulder? Yeah, no, I mean, I guess like, yeah, it was kind of weird. It was kind of, you know, I didn't expect it per se, but I kind of saw the writing on the wall um, early on in camp. You know, even if a start starting offensive lineman went down, I, I wasn't really put into the like mix, if that makes sense. Like, it was kind of like, oh, it was only, you know, during practice. It would never be, you know, with the starters during walkthrough or anything like that. I always thought that was weird. Um, so I kind of saw the writing on the wall, but I didn't expect it. Uh, I thought to be, you know, maybe that sixth guy in. Um, but, you know, I, 
I got caught up in the personal and the business side. I always bring that up, so I won't even get into that. But, um, you know, yeah, it was, I guess it was, it was tough, but I think it was needed. Um, You know, I think that I needed an opportunity, like a legit chance to start. And when I came here, you know, Dorsey had every, every, you know, um, you know, thought to have me as a starting offensive guard. So, um, you know, I, I remember that last game that I was going to play for Buffalo. I was going to play at tackle. So, you know, I think that, uh, you know, uh, Cleveland still viewed me as a guard and um, they wanted me to play and gave me about, you know, I think it was seven games, six or seven games to, uh, to get the playbook in and then start. And, you know, I played all right. And then, uh, you know, I had a whole full uh, preseason or full off season uh, under my belt, you know, and thanks to Bill Callahan and, you know, the rest is history, but, you know, I really think that, 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 that transition, that change, um, you know, really helped me, you know, realize the work that I have to put in, you know, I guess a lot of people work hard and get cut and stuff like that. And, you know, it sucks, but that's the only way you have a chance, you know, especially at this level, uh, you know, a lot of people forget, you know, that it's a lot of people work hard. Everyone works hard. I mean, if you're not working hard, you're not going to last a day. Um, you know, but to actually stay and be consistent on a team, you know, it, it takes, you know, it takes luck and talent and, you know, a lot of things have to go in your, your direction. But, you know, when I got drafted to Bu- uh, Buffalo, I remember I, I thought I was going to be a Buffalo Bill for, you know, like Kyle Williams, like forever. I, you know, I, I thought that's, that's what I always hoped. Um, you know, I have, I have uh, my Jersey right under my, my uh, Browns Jersey, but, you know, it's funny how I only spent 18 months in Buffalo and, you know, I, I love that place. You know, I love Western New York. It's, it's funny how that, how that goes, but you know, again, like I said, you know, the transition, the change to uh, Cleveland, I think was the best thing that could have ever happened. Here. It, it sounds like it was a pretty emotional time too. I remember when you played the bills, like Dion Dawkins coming up to you after the game and man, he gave you like the biggest hug you'll ever see a, an opposing yeah. player give somebody, you know, and, it just kind of told me, like, and we got into it a little bit. I mean, you're going through like a breakup at the time. I'm like, like there, there was a lot going on in your life um, when you were at the Bills, and it's sink or swim. They're throwing you out there, like you said. But they, that you can get into how, how difficult of a time was it in Buffalo, and what did it mean, like, to play that team? And I mean, that was a, I, I didn't see that until after we talked with you and Dion on the field. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it meant a lot, Dion. It just shows you what kind of character Dion is. Um, but no, I mean, you know, I think that a lot of the NFL, there's, I mean, there's lots of players, you know, you can't say put stereotypes, but you know, there's some guys that really want to see the success of other players. And then there's guys who are kind of, you know, covering their own butts. Um, Dion's one of those guys who wants to see the success of other players. And, you know, one off season, I remember it was the first year that I was there um, going into that off season after I started, I think six or seven games. And, uh, um, Every day before OTAs or meetings or, um, you know, off-season workouts, I would call Dion or FaceTime him and we'd go over our plays. And, you know, he he said that that was the nicest thing anybody's ever done to him. I was like, bro, I was just, you know, if you know what to do, I know what to do. And if that, that if that's the case, we win, you know. I wasn't, you know, you know, I wasn't trying to, you know, be a big brother or anything. I was just trying to look out, you know. Um, but no, Dion's, you know, Dion said, you know, he, I guess from that moment just loved me and, you know, treat me like a brother, which is, you know, all you can ask for. And then as we started playing, you know, he kind of felt like the rug was kind of pulled out from under me. Um, you know, if you watch that video, he goes, you know, I even said, I said, I, you know, I would love to be playing next to you, but here I am playing on a different team. Um, luckily we won. So, you know, I'm really happy about that, but, uh, uh, but yeah, no, you guys, you guys were really good that year. And I think you guys went off into a playoff uh, run, but, um, but yeah, no, it was, it was, it was, it was emotional, you know, having, a, you know, 30 guys waiting in line, um, to, to just, you know, save face and talk to each other. It's, I mean, it's pretty cool. Um, it's a pretty cool moment. And, you know, I guess that happens, you know, you always know a lot of guys, but I guess it felt like I was one of those, I was one of the guys and that's, you know, that's what hurts is if, any of the draft picks can say this, that were ever drafted into Buffalo. You get into Buffalo, they start giving you the, you know, uh, city 101. Every school, every town, every city does it. But Buffalo is one of those cities. I mean, there's, there's not much going on. You know, you got, you got a blue collar city um, who, you know, truly, and I'm not, you know, trying to be rude or anything. You got, you know, 
less affluent community who is willing to, you know, eat less steak each year to keep their season tickets. You know what I mean? Like, obviously they're not, you know, it's, it's a hard decision, but you know, it's how die hard the fans are up there and you know, how loyal they are. And, you know, it's, it's funny. We have a huge fan base and a lot of our fan base is like that, but we, we also have a very loud fan base because it's Cleveland and, you know, there always has to be some kind of sports news. It's a big sports city, um, which kind of sucks, but also, you know, we kind of dragged ourselves into that with, with our quarterback, but um, you know, there's a lot of sports news that just goes on in Cleveland and, you know, you try to keep your nose clean and away from it, <laughs> you know, anything can drag you down um, where, you know, I don't see that as much in uh, Buffalo when I was there, but obviously I've been here way longer. Forgot that's what what drink, the, the... drink whatever you want, man. You got a lot of choices there. <laughs> Let's do it. Sazerac, Thomas Handy. Oh man, that was the uh, that was the go-to poison back in my Wisconsin days at Libertine on Washington Street. Sazerac, strong, has a little bite. One twenty-nine and a half. Neat, no ice. No, just just sipping, just sipping. Nothing, nothing too much. Okay, so you're. Is it always neat, or do do you ever mix it ice? I'm usually an ice guy. I like I like an ice cube, um, but I don't know. Yeah, I put an ice cube in here. I like I like it actually. Everybody says like, "Oh yeah, you're gonna water it down." Well, that's how the best whiskey connoisseurs drink their whiskey is with. No, obviously, I don't have mineral ice water from you know <laughs> Kentucky but I do have you know normal ice though you know there was an article in the Wall Street Journal a couple of years ago that said how if you have a couple glasses of whiskey or you know four or five beers if you reach like that buzz state it like unlocks creativity in your mind to like be you know I don't think you can go play a football game you know doing that but I don't know. I, I feel like there is something like sitting around, having a couple of drinks, thinking about the world, solving problems that it's going to unlock something that you couldn't yeah, otherwise. And it, it's funny how we always solve the world's problems after a night of drinking and then we never remember it. You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, when it comes to like people who are like, oh, you know, I'm more creative, you know, I'm more artistic and stuff. It's like, I think that there is something to that. There is a part of there's a line. There's a line. you can cross that threshold to like ridiculousness. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I, you know, I feel like it's also like, well, yeah, but there's a reason you don't remember it because it didn't make that much sense. It made sense <laughs> while you were inebriated. But um, you know, we always used to joke about that in college. You know, we had the best football plays. Oh, after we lost the game, we would come up with the best plays. Show up on Monday, and uh, one of the players would be like, "Yo, bring up that play to coach." And I'm like, "I don't fucking remember what you're talking about." Man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was right, like that. It's crazy. It's a great always sunny episode when I think they're at their high school reunion, and like they show them dancing, like it's perfectly choreographed and everything, and then it flashes to reality, and they're all drunk, and it's just awful. So yeah, <laughs> just waving their arms around, yeah. Oh, but it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, well, sorry, go ahead, Joe. Yeah, what's up? Um, so I, I joined my family to the uh, the Christmas Day game last year in Lambeau. Um, so that's a game you guys should have won. Uh, yeah. But just just asking in general if there's any stories you want to share. You know, anything from the lot, locker room uh, afterwards? Yeah. No, that was um. That was definitely uh, a weird game. Uh, we had some key uh, positions that went down, and the, all the positions that we had out uh, honestly did great. I mean, we rushed for, I think, like 250 – I don't even remember how many yards, but we were rushing for so much. And, um, you know, the game really did come down to, like, a couple penalties, and I was one of the guys that got one of them. And, you know, I felt like, like it was kind of like one of those things where it was like, you know, Aaron Rodgers isn't going to lose on Christmas. And that's how it kind of felt in the, in the, in the locker room after the game. The fix was in, kind of. Yeah, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I'm never going to talk about the integrity of the refs, obviously. 
they have a very hard job as well as I do. But that, I that game was awful. That's right. There were some sh- really shitty calls that game. But that being said, I've had some really shitty blocks. So they're human, <laughs> I'm human. We've all messed up, right? But it, it does get sometimes where it's just like, all right, sometimes you just got to swallow your whistle and let them play. Yeah, and, and as messed up as that is, think about the best games ever from the 80s, 90s, 70s, 80s, 90s. The, the refs could have easily whistled on a late hit or – on a block in the back, but they didn't, and the play went off, you know, 100 yards, and it was one of the best plays of history. So I think that there's a time you need to really be focused in, and then there's a time it's like it's the last second. Let the game, let the game go. Um, obviously, the integrity of the game matters, but yeah, I'm talking about as an offensive lineman, just you know, let that hold go. Hey, you don't call it. But yeah. your style of play is that, though. I mean, you're going to push the limit. You're going to get penalties. Yeah. You, you don't want to just dial it back and play a, you know, rated PG style. Well, the best offensive lineman or the, the highest paid, uh, you've got to be athletic, sure, but you you got to be able – got to be a, show, show, a salesman almost. you got to you, – your hands are inside. You're holding every play. The best offensive lineman holds – well, ev- any offensive lineman holds every single play. But the ability is to keep yourself in, in front of the block, keep your front – you know, there's a couple times where I'll get the guy outside my body and hop over right when the block is coming and the running back makes, you know, a cut for 10 yards and the ref doesn't throw anything because I put my head right in front of that last second, um, you know, kind of feeling stuff like that. I mean, there's also, I mean, I think uh, we went over a penalty analysis this offseason and we're very low. Cleveland is, but I'm very high. <laughs> so it's like it's like everybody else is like down here. Joel Batonio, two penalties. You know, our uh, center last year, JC Treader, one penalty. You know, three penalties, and I think he might have had some more. Um, but it was funny. Like I got like eight or nine penalties, but two or three penalties we sent in and got them reversed. So it's like really only five penalties, but it's still like it still stops the game during the time. It doesn't matter after the game. The refs are like, oh, that's my bad. It's like, okay, give me $50,000. Yeah. I mean, it's all subjective. <laughs> I I don't – as a player, how do you mentally process that all? Because, I mean, we were talking about it before we uh, started, but, like, these these tight ends that I talked to for this book I wrote, Mark Mark Bruner played for the Steelers in the 90s. I mean, he held he, – he just, like, blatantly would hold guys – like the lobster claw, you know, yeah. what his coach called it, you know, it drove, it drove guys nuts, but he wasn't called. He figured out a way to like release at the right time, drive guys nuts and like yeah. pass rushers and linebackers. They'd almost have to completely take themselves out of the play for the ref to see that it was a hold. Like they'd have to almost yeah. take a dive for the ref to see I'm getting hold- held. So yeah. how do you balance well, that? All? Cause there's holding every play. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Well, everything's a tool and there's like, um, you know, obviously there's a time to hold. There's a time not to, if he's in your mainframe, any ref is going to tell you, I'm going to give you his chest plate. If you get outside his chest plate, then obviously, or if you're, you know, off of his chest, if you're on the pad, you're going to be fine. That's, you know, I don't expect you to use your elbows. This is in 1950s. Um, yeah. But as long as you have your, you know, your head out, your hands, you know, up inside, um, you know, sometimes I work in under where it's, you know, it's right here and it's right under the chest plate, pushing it up where, you know, it kind of gets into their throat and they're not able to run or they're not thinking about running at least, you, you know, that, that kind of helps blocking too. Um, you know, but there's, there's a bunch of different plays, you know, sometimes when you're, you'll be chested inside and they'll try to rip or something like that. And you grab their elbow, which is technically holding, but it's still inside that, 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 you know, that front area so they can't get away, you know, and it, they drop to the ground and, you know, it's not really holding because you're not pulling them away from their body. You're just stopping from them removing their arms. So, you know, there's just a couple of tools that you can use that I guess if a ref really wanted to <laughs> be nasty, he could, he could call you for holding, but, you know, I guess there's holding every single play and, you know, a ref could stop every single play with holding if you really wanted to. I mean, a reason that you're a uh, nearly $57 million. I can't say $57 million, man. You weren't able to cross the finish line. But is, is it. you can balance, like you're pushing the envelope, right? Like you are challenging that. It'd be easy to not push those buttons and not cross the line and to, you know, 
just play it safe. But you you, you do have yeah. to challenge the. I guess every crew is different. You got to study the crews. Like who's gonna call? Who's who's gonna well, call a lot of flags yeah. this game? Who's not? But you have to push the limit. Yeah, and I think that there's. I mean, for example, I think Joel Batonio is one of those guys that doesn't really push those limits. He's just really freaking athletic, um, even for as uh, big as big of his guy as he is. You know, I think that he's someone who um, doesn't hold. He doesn't kind of play like that. But you know, I don't think he's also going to move a lot of people. Uh, I love Joel to death, but I think even death, he would tell I, you he's not going to move someone ten ten yards off the point. You know, I don't. I don't think that's his game. He's going to hook someone. Uh, you know, run circles around them before they get out of their stance. That's. I think that's more of his game. But uh, you know, I think when you are that, and I hate to see it, you know, mauling kind of guard. You know, you're going to get your people are going to watch you, especially because most runs go right um, at the that lead of attack. And you know, if you're moving up to a second level and you hook the elbow of a of a linebacker, you know, you're going to get called if you're you know locked up into a tight zone block and you kind of lock the elbow. It's it's different, you know. So I guess you got to kind of you know use it for different things. But you know, I, I think that you know there's a lot of guards that do it the right way. And there's a lot of guards that, you know, get holding calls. And, you know, I guess I got to move to the, the technician and instead of the mauler. And I think that that'll give me less uh, penalties in, in the long run. What's up? Yeah, like? I was just thinking that. Like, go, ahead. go ahead. No, sorry. Go ahead, Joe. I was just going to say, like, you, you said you did the penalty analysis and you came in below average. You know, that I just, I was thinking maybe that's something to, to work on, right? Like get up to average, you know? Yeah. Might, might work no, and that's, right? no, and that's a hundred percent. And that's the, that's the whole point is, you know, I think, and I, I think I was trying to beat around the bushes, you know, a ref, a ref can call holding on any play. I mean, you're, you're not allowed to grab the other guy, but the refs give you the chest plate, you know, because obviously you're, you have a job to do. So I think that like, you know, get my elbows inside, you know, staying in front of the block, you know, speeding up my feet. You know, that's all stuff that I can work on that kind of lowers penalties in the long run, which is, you know, for the best. Why, what, what is it like to be a, a leader, a star player, you know, a, a, a go-to guy on, on the Cleveland Browns right now? I mean, outside looking at everybody's wondering what the hell is going on with this franchise? Like, you don't know who's going to be quarterback, you know, how long they're going to be quarterback. Um, God, do you follow the news yourself every day? Did you get wrapped up in Deshaun Watson's ordeal, Baker Mayfield's trade? I mean, I maybe maybe it's a two part question because you and Baker are really really close. Like, how do you process the yeah. friendship side of things with the business side of things as this is a team in total flux? Well, I'm I'm paid a lot of money by the Cleveland Browns, so I, I always want the Cleveland Browns to win more than my personal relationships. But that also being said, you know, there, there's our personal relationships. And, um, you know, I've known Deshaun for a couple months and, you know, I'm not going to ever get into the thing of, you know, he said, she said, anything like that. I, I don't think that's my place to talk. I'm not a, an attorney. Um, I don't think any of us are. Uh, but, you know, I think that it's important to just listen. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I think it's hard. Um, we always were, you know, innocent until proven guilty. And now with, you know, social media and everything and opinion, and obviously we've always had opinion, but now with social media, it's opinions that are written down, right? So most of the time it's a one second thought and you press send and, you know, it could be something that's just a thought. And back in the day, you just kept those to yourself because you didn't have social media. Now they're all written down. So, um, you know, I think anybody's entitled to their opinion and, uh, you know, Obviously, we want to, you know, go with go with the legality of it, and I I, I hope, I, you know, whatever happened happens. You know, if if it happens, you know, I, I think that that all gets settled in court. I just want to win games, and you know, whoever the quarterback is, let's let's just run the ball. I like running the ball anyway. It's it's less stress. Um, Better to move no, forward I'll, than backwards. I'll, yeah, I, I like it. Hey, it's actually really hard to stop someone who's going forward while you're going backward, but. Uh, um, but no, I think that it's. Uh, I, I I hope that it gets handled by the NFL and by him, and you know he gets into you know play games here soon. You know, it's a four year contract, so even however long it is, you know hopefully 
we we can make a run at it when he does play. Um, and hopefully, you know, that's this year. If it's not, you know, obviously, um, you know, we'll take that as it comes. But, you know, with, with Baker, you know, obviously I want to, like I've said this before, you know, I want to see Baker do well. Baker was my quarterback last year. Um, just because he's not my quarterback this year doesn't mean, you know, I can't be respectful to him. Um, you know, I, I, I still love Josh, uh, Josh Allen, and he's not my quarterback, you know, can, do, do I have to hate him now? Um, you know, I, I think that when we look at it kind of like that, uh, you realize, oh, okay, it's, it's just a game. You know, you have these real relationships, these real life, um, you know, friendships that, you know, the, you might make a decision or something like that and get moved to another team or get traded or whatever, you know, and, or, you know, whatever goes down in the league and you still have that brother, that, that friendship, that brotherhood, um, that is the NFL. And I think we saw that after the Buffalo game when, you know, 35 guys lined up to give me, to give me a high five um, and, you know, just say, Hey. Uh, so I think that that's, those are those relationships that, you know, sometimes can, you know, be lost on fans and media because why wouldn't you want to be a Cleveland Brown? Like, why, why wouldn't you want to be a Buffalo Bill? Well, I'm not from <laughs> Cleveland. I'm not from Buffalo. Not everybody loves this, this city and dies for this city. You know, so I, and I think that, uh, you know, both of Deshaun and Baker loved Cleveland, but I, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, obviously I love Buffalo um, and I grew up in Virginia, but um, you know, I guess I gravitate to these teams because I grew up a Redskins fan and we didn't win a lot of games. Um, so, you know, growing up with a bunch of people my age who were like, yeah, we didn't win a bunch in the, uh, the 90s and early 2000s. I'm like, same. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, but no, I, it's, I think that, you know, a lot of people get caught up in that, you know, and they forget, like, what if it was at your job? What if your, what if your coworker moved to a different job? Would you just stop talking to them? No, you'd still talk to them and you'd still be their friend. It's just, you're not going to talk as much and hang out as much and, you know, I, I guess that kind of comes with the territory of what we do. It's it's difficult though. There there aren't a lot of professions like that where you become, like you said, best friends with somebody, and he goes to a competitor, goes to a different team, a different organization, and now you are facing that person week one, no. and he is going to do everything in his power to kick your like. Baker, that's Baker's game. Like his game is like line up at people three wrong. Technique, Baker, you, you want to beat my ass? Line up at three technique. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm not really <laughs> you can give my defense hell, but you're not trying to whoop my ass. I'm not trying to do this, but I blocked for the quarterback. He's going to want to stick it to the Browns, though. I don't think any game in Baker Mayfield's career is going to mean more than that opener. I know. I and, I and honestly, I I hope he does great and we win by one point. You know what I mean? Like I hope he does great things and leads that team and. But, you know, he's still in a competition, you know. Uh, my, my buddy Baker, he's still in a competition. He's got to go win that thing. So, um, you know, I think that, uh, you know, whoever we do play, they, they got to go against the best DNs in the, in the country. And, you know, I think they revamped their offensive line. And I know a couple guys on their offensive line who are great players. So, you know, I, hope, I hope the best for them. But good luck. I've blocked Miles. He's, he's not easy. You know, Clowney is uh, is no no joke. So you guys you guys have fun. You know, I have to block him every day in practice. You guys have your work cut. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Baker did have it pretty good with your line, right? That was a pretty good life for a quarterback with that group. You had yeah, there. yeah. We had we had two of the best running backs, which sometimes I don't know why we didn't utilize that a little bit more. I mean, I guess there was a part of the season where we had two really beat up backs. Um, yeah, but, but that Green Bay know, game, my that, God, just give it to Chubb and you guys win that game that drive. Hey, you know, there's there's been Super Bowls that have lost by saying, "Hey, just give it to the power running back." You know, so I can't really uh, be uh, be too upset with it. You know, I think that that's the coaching, um, and you know, I, I have to do my job. Coach says run right, and there's 15 guys, and there's only allowed to be 11 on the field, and there's 15 guys on the right side of the line. I'm going to run right. And I'm going to smash them in the face. Call me a grunt. Call me a soldier. I don't care. You know, if coach says run right, I'm going to run right. I, I think he knows more than me or I would be the first player coach ever. Um, but I don't think that that's how it goes. This isn't baseball. <laughs> Where you can be a true player coach and be the best best player on your team and the best coach. But I don't think that's a thing in football. Have you been hunting any alligators this offseason? No, no. Alligators, but I did get this end. 
My Rams had for my year. Whoa! Yeah. All right, Still let's hear the story. The, for those listening, we have a uh, a ram, a ram, ram horns, and a skull. Yep. Yeah. So we got ram. Um, yeah, Butler. This isn't a toy. <laughs> hey, That's Butler. Good. Butler's trying to chew it. Um, but yeah, no, I think that uh, I shot that two years ago, and I just got it this past or a year ago. I shot it with the Gator, um, and I just got it this past year or past like off season. So that's good. Wow, it took two years. I uh, uh, one full year. Excuse me, not two years ago. One year ago, when I shot the Gator was the same time. So these uh, these guys might not know the full story, but we got to hear the the whole Gator excursion. How to well, how Gator? The video, if you don't see the video, it's not as cool. But basically, I just went down to Florida and I was hog hunting with my buddy. Um, he was like, "Hey, you know, we uh, one one of the outfitters we have right near here. Um, he does Gator hunts, and he has you know he does pin raised Gators. But you know, if you want to come down for local Gators." Um, you know, free range gators or whatever they call them. Uh, those are going to be a certain season and you, they're really hard to get. Um, well, not really hard to get. There's over a million gators in Florida. There's lots of gators, but they're like uh, squirrels almost, but they can kill you. Um, but yeah, no. So <laughs> yeah, we got a like, lot of hey, squirrels here in West New York, not gators. Yeah, squirrels. yeah. There's lots of squirrels, not a lot of gators, but that's, ba- I mean, I'm not, I'm not, joking there's there's a lot of uh a lot of gators all over you gotta really be careful a lot of a lot of dogs a lot of you know um bad things happen down there with uh with you know entertainer habitat but um regardless he was like hey we can do a pin raised gator and there's no there's no season for that you know they're raised for this and this is what they're basically used for um so he was like hey you go in there you take a you take a fishing pole with a big treble hook and you throw it over the back of this prehistoric dinosaur. Um, and you, you hold on. And I was like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> so, so I go out there, um, and you know, throw the, uh, throw the treble hook over the, the gators back that I kind of picked. Um, you can kind of tell how big they are. Obviously the guides right there being like, Oh, that's a seven foot gator. That's a nine foot gator. That's a, Huge gator, that's a little gator kind of thing. Um, they actually have two gators there that are like 14, 15 feet, which would be absolutely monstrous gator. Um, probably like a 70, 80-year-old gator. Uh, so that's absolutely insane. But the one that I killed, I think, was you know, 9, 10 feet, 9 and a half feet. Um, and it, was, it had this huge, you know, big old head on it, um, which is kind of more of a pin-raised gator thing, more of the uh, – Native uh, local gators, they're going to have a little bit, and they're still going to have big heads, but, you know, they're not fed as well. They're not maintained as well, so they usually are a little bit smaller than pen-raised gators. But this one was probably like 12, 13 years old, and it was, it was, it was pretty cool to, uh, to, uh, to experience. Um, but, yeah, so they, you know, we, we brought, it, uh, brought it to the uh, edge of the water. We humanely put it out. Um, and then humanely. Humanely it put it out. What? You said humanely put it out? Well, I, I've hunted my entire life. And I think that anybody can you know, argue, but I think that using a rifle to kill a deer is way more humane because that deer got to experience the beautiful nature than a pig you know, being raised in its own poop. You know what I mean? So I, I, and I eat bacon, so don't, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I love all kinds of food, but I'm just saying I think that it was – uh, like I said, I've hunted my entire life and we use this little 22, you know, mom and pop 1950s rifle, um, and this big nine foot gator, as soon as you pull that trigger, it was gone. There was no twitch. There was no struggle. There was no sadness. That gator was gone because you, you cut the lights off there. It's a switch and you cut the lights off regardless. Um, yeah, no, it was Butler. Butler, stop, buddy. But yeah, no. So it was when I said humanely, it was there was no struggle, there was no set. You know, it wasn't well, like this. You know, was P- like P- Peter subscribes to go along, so you know they're gonna hey, be listening. They gotta know. You'd be surprised, man. You know, I, I, I'm, <laughs> media, so I'm not the one getting yelled at. It's gonna be my wife. But uh, no, you know, if, they, if they tried to listen, we would deny. We would not allow yeah. them to consume this content. No, no, Peter. <laughs> no, so 
No, so uh, um, people were attacking my wife and stuff like that. And one person said, wow, you love your dog, Butler. Well, how can, how can you kill a dog, uh, a gator, but love your dog? And we were literally like, all right, let me put you in a, a cage with my dog and he'll lick you to death. Like that's the only way you'll die is when he licks you to death versus a gator that give it about six hours and it will make a decision. Your friend or foe and you're going to be a foe. You know what I mean? They're, it's primal. It's not, they, there's no love with a gator. Ask any gator handler in the world. The reason I can do this is because I practiced with this gator a million times and it's not smart. It's just reactionary. You know what I mean? Like it will kill you. <laughs> Um, but it's yeah, the so, perfect way to put it. Like case closed, right there. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you can. I, I think that all animals have life and they're beautiful, and it's not like I kill an animal and just leave its body there. You know, I use it and uh, you know eat it. Obviously, I can go to the grocery store and do the same thing. But like I said, at least that life, at least that deer got to experience nature. So I, I, I've always liked hunting. Um, you know, growing up in Virginia. It's a lot of whitetail hunting, so, and that's in the fall. So while I have a really cool job, it's not cool for hunting. Um, so uh, I have to hunt other things, and that's kind of where I picked up on hog hunting, and then that got me into gator hunting and all the different stuff. So it's cool. Love it. How much meat do you get from hog hunting? Like, What'd you say? How, how much like meat do you put in your freezer? Like percent percent that you eat per year? Like ninety yeah. percent? Oh, oh, oh! Like percentage I probably eat. Um, during the off season, there's a couple times where I'll know. For example, we had a guy on our team this past year, Porter Gustin, who gave me some elk. Um, and he gave me like five pounds of it. His dad killed one this past year. Um, and that was burgers for almost a month. Um, so that was awesome. Uh, but then I probably I killed one deer this past year. Um, in Ohio, and I probably got about 30, 20 pounds from that. And I probably ate about, there's still probably some in my freezer, not much, probably a pound or two of burger and maybe some steaks or something like that. So not much left. So that's, I mean, pretty good, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. from what I'm, I'm with you on the, on the ethics of it. You know, it's, I, I know some guys can go down to Texas and hunt hogs and that's what they that's what they eat, right? Is uh, yeah. Oh yeah, and hogs are amazing too. But the gator, the gator was actually pretty cool. So um, you could ship your your meat home. Obviously, that was that was a case. Uh, it would have been expensive. It's probably about ten dollars a pound. Um, so if you kill a you know a gator and maybe get twenty five pounds from the the tail, um, you know it's two hundred fifty bucks to the ship. So that's it does get a little bit expensive, um, but what else they would do is they would bring it to uh, to the local charities down there and local uh, um, food um, food shelters and stuff like that. So it wasn't like any of this meat or this gator wasn't being used. And mm-hmm. I need to get that gator head. I need to talk with someone about it. But it'll come in. The, the gator head's still coming in then. It's still coming in. Uh, you know, hopefully they didn't try to steal it from me. I got a lot of flack from this thing, so I need it. Hey, this gator will live a better legacy than he ever would have if he didn't meet you, Wyatt. So, see, see, you know this what though? Game. Like, like hunting. I'm like the black sheep of my family. It's my my grandpa, my dad, my brother. Everybody hunts, and I think it was so. My, when my brother, he's two years younger than me. Like, you start with the hunter safety course, right? Like, that's the first thing you do when you're what 13, yeah. 14. And I was a big Green Bay Packers fan as a kid. And the Packers played the Panthers. I'll never forget. It was like, oh, 2000 or 2001. And I was like, you know what? Uh, Bompy, that's what our, we call our grandpa. I, I can't miss this game. I got to watch it. I think Kabir Baja Biamilla had a big game. They, 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 Chris Winkie was like the Panthers quarterback. I'm like, I can't go. So I never did the hunter safety course. And then that was it. My brother got into hunting. He's got, we have a bunch of land up here in Western New York. He's gotten like three, four huge bucks, whitetail. And I just could never just sit in the woods, appreciate, you know, that it's, it's, it's more than just shooting a deer, right? It's like you're, you're, you're amongst nature. You're out there all day for several days, soaking it in. I I wish I would have just done it looking back. I I wish I would have, that that, that was the tipping point. I couldn't miss football. It's it's never, well, it's it's never too late. You know, I, I think that, uh, you know, people can go hunting, but, um, you know, it's, it's something that like, it's to get away. It's something that calms 
bit, bring you back down to down to earth. You know, I think we get so stressed and so fast in this world that sometimes it's nice to just sit out there for four or five hours. Again, I'm not one of those people that sits in their stand for 20, 12 hours and then goes to sleep for eight hours, wakes back up and does it again. I'm not one of those people. Um, you know, I like to hunt. That makes sense. You know, if it's negative 50, uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, I'm probably not going to be in the stand. Um, but I'm also not going to be in the stand only when it's 40. You know, I think that, you know, the deer move when it's cold and you got to be out there, but you know, I'm not, I'm not one of those crazy people that's, you know, Oh, I need to feel, feel the tree that I'm, you know, hunting on and make sure that it's, you know, deep from the earth and the deer will come by it. It's like, what the heck are you talking about? You're, you're not, you're not you're putting like deer over. urine all over your body. That kind of no, stuff. No, no, none of that. None of that. Uh, but one thing I got into this, this past year was, uh, was bird hunting, um, and migratory, migratory birds and upland birds and, um, I have a Weimaraner, as you heard him whining, um, more like a Weinerammer, but, uh, no, he's a, he's a bird dog. And I took him out this for, uh, this past off season and, you know, he's a, he's a, he's two years old, two and a half years old now, a uh, house dog. And he just, he understood it. He wanted to go out there and find these birds. And, you know, it was, it was actually pretty impressive. He put his nose to the ground and, you know, he was looking and he was, you know, smelling and it was pretty cool. Uh, first time I ever took him out, but. Um, so yeah, so getting into, you know, bird hunting too, I think that that's something else that's not like extremely crazy that, uh, you know, you're not sitting outside for six hours. It's more of walking through and, you know, doing stuff like that, but it's cool. Are you nervous about being a dad? Well, not, not too bad. Um, I think that, uh, I have, well, I have a lot of siblings, so I have a lot of nieces and nephews, so I've seen how to do it. Um, you know, obviously it's different when it's your kid and it's crying every night at 3am in your house. Um, obviously I think that that's going to be a, you know, an adjustment. Um, but I, I think there's nothing more rewarding than putting a good person on this earth. You know, I think, uh, if you do your job correctly, and I think that there's a lot of good parents that did their job correctly and their kids still turned out crazy, but, uh, I would say that usually, good parents lead to good kids and good kids kind of show good parents. Um, not always. I think that, you know, some people honor their mother and father by what they did wrong. They do correctly. Um, in some ways, you know, I can, you know, go back to my childhood and be like, Hey, you know, I think my dad did this great. You know, I think my mom and dad did do this great. So I'm going to do this better. Um, but you know, that's all things that you're, you know, it's nice, you know, but, I, I have learned that becoming a dad is just a, just a kid with a kid, you know, it's, it's not like, yeah. Oh, I read this book and now I'm ready to be a dad. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> my wife's pregnant. I'm about to have a baby. I'm ready to be a dad and, you know, see this little boy grow up and hopefully into a, you know, a good member of society and a you know strong-willed man. So, you know, I think, uh, I think that being a parent, like I said, I, I think there's nothing more rewarding than, you know, the people you put on this earth and um, what, how you, uh, how you treat them and um, the relationships that you're going to have. Because when you're 80 years old, my son's going to have to be taking care of my big ass. You know, I, I played football for a living, so, so he didn't have to, but if he does want to play football, he can, um, you know, I, I think that that's something that, you know, athletics is going to be pushed to my family. I, I don't, you know, Hey, if you're a bookworm, you'd be a bookworm too. You know, don't get me wrong. Like, I, I, if you're a smart, smart kid, I will let you be a smart, smart kid. But if you're on the, you know, the brick side, like my, like I was, then let's go play some football and, uh, you know, or play some sports. And, you know, I think that my whole family's always been athletic and that's something that, you know, my mom, she was a gym coach for 40 years, um, in Fairfax County, uh, Virginia. And my dad, he was, you know, military and, you know, worked odd jobs uh, later on, but, you know, he uh, was a manager at, you know, a couple of gas stations and stuff, but, uh, you know, I think that that's something that they always instilled in us was, you know, athletic athleticism and being sports, lots in, in sports. And usually we didn't get invited to a lot of birthdays because we were the people on the recess that hit the other kids and they didn't like it. So, <laughs> I wasn't the popular. You're, you're breaking sternums in high school, right? Yeah. You're breaking everybody's sternum. What are you going to well, do? Well, no, actually, my mom told me this story. My my first uh, FYF practice, um, I, I was playing for the Hornets, um, and 
we just got our pads. So I, I guess it was like the first days of pads. And we had this, you know, this Oklahoma drill, but, you know, it wasn't really an Oklahoma drill because it's a bunch of five-year-olds. You know, it's more of the, you know, the helmets that are this big and they're running on those little bodies. Yeah, well, first practice, I go out and just, like, spear a kid in his sternum, break his sternum, first practice. And literally the coach, my mom comes up and she's screaming. She said, oh, my gosh, why? what did you do? And the coach is like, it's going to be okay. This is a good thing. <laughs> As a kid's crying on the ground that I just speared him, he's like, this is good. He can run full speed into people. Most kids can't do this. So, no, uh, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, I, I was – my mom always knew that I was going to be, you know, something at football. And, but actually I was a swimmer first. My mom put me in a swim pool first, and I was on a – Swimmer? Swim. I was on a swim team first. Pretty crazy. Yeah. Yep. I like the way you described it, though, when we talked. Like when you hear a sternum break, it's like a – it's like a click, right? Yeah, it's it's definitely a weird sound. I mean, anybody who has, you know, I guess a more way of hearing someone's sternum break is when you're um, you're doing chest uh, chest compressions, so like EMTs and stuff like that. Uh, they'll hear a couple of sternums crack, and it's yeah, it's it's a weird, weird feeling and sound. And I would never ever want to do it again. <laughs> and that, to my worst enemy, I would never want you to break the bone that's over your chest. Like I'm, I'm good. You don't, you don't. That's something that can just stay there. Um, but yeah, it's like a, it's it's weird. It's weird. You did, so you did it at five, then you did it again in high school. Yeah, right? no, I did it not five, not college. Five. Maybe you did in college. I don't know. No, yeah, no, I am a sterner, sternum breaker. But no, uh, I think in college. I, I I didn't hurt a lot of people, I don't think. Maybe a lot of egos. College is more breaking ego. There you go. There you go. Um, well, you're going to love being a dad, man. It's the best. It's like the, the first few months are chaos. It's just survival. Like you're yeah. just getting through that's the night. That's what I'm saying. That's, that's it. That's the thing about but, being a father. But then you don't remember that, it. You don't remember it. That, that is, well, that's like, exactly what I was going to say. All the bad parts, you totally forget it. I got two kids. They're four years apart. And the second one came along. I'm like... I don't remember any of this stuff, you know, the diaper, <laughs> crying at night and all that. No, and that's the thing. That's what everybody says is, you know, the the days are long, but the years are short and you don't yeah. remember the hard parts of each day. You just remember the years going by and, you know, the faces changing and everything like that. So I'm not, I'm no, uh, I'm no deep thinker, but, you know, I, I really do believe that this is, you know, it's, you know, it's really special and I'm excited to, to see half of my face and half of my wife's face and, and this little kid. So it's going to be, uh, it's going to be experience. It's going to be exciting, but we're still, we're still very early. You know, prayers and everything are still going Absolutely. on that, you know, everything's, you know, yes, that everything's going good, but um, it has so far, I think we just passed 16 weeks or just hit 16 weeks. Um, so we're, we're getting there, but we're still very early. So um it's, it's it's exciting, but you know, I got to paint the nursery and I got to do a lot of work. So it's like uh, football is right around the corner. But you think, got, you, think got, you have to do that though? You can push it off though. Like the first kid, we had the nur- we had the room ready and everything, and then you realize your baby's with you in your room for like five, six, seven months. And so yeah, there's you. no rush. There's no rush. Season. The baby's due in December, so I have all of off off season to do all that. Yeah, don't worry about it. Tell yeah. tell Carly it's it's okay. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, let's hope she listens. Wyatt, that's awesome. You're a legend. Thanks so much for hanging out like this. Man, it's great to see you, hear you. We got to keep doing it. You Open yes, invite. Anytime, in person, virtually, <laughs> you tell me. And we'll bring hey, Andy Janovich on, too. What the hell? Oh. You, can talk, you can talk some shit to him. Hey, Andy, Andy can drink some alcohol now. I, I, you know, I, thought, I, I was like, hey, how crazy is this going to get? And, you know, you said, oh, you know, I've had Andy on there. I was like, how, how, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How, how crazy was he? He was a good time. Yeah, no, he's, he can he put down about 10 bush lights. lights. Yeah. Yeah. Bush lights. Yep. And what's funny is when I first met Andy Janovich, this man only drank bush lights. He would, I could give him a warm bush light and an ice cold Miller light and he would take that Miller light, smash it against the ground, take that bush light and throw it in his mouth. Hot from the truck. A hot bush light and he would he would love it over a 
over a cold beer. So no, <laughs> why? He is, why? I mean, he is definitely. Why is that? He's I mean, crazy. <laughs> He said, do you got beer or do you not have beer? And I'm like, no, I have beer. And he's like, that's not beer. He's what you have to but, talk to about being a dad. Like, uh, he's he's had a little one now for a little bit. Yes. Yeah, and his little baby, she's uh, Ronnie. She's the sweetest little girl. She Well, she likes to she likes to yell just like her daddy does. But um, she's uh, she's so sweet. And she's, she's a cutie. She looks just like her dad. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. It's like, what the heck? You guys were – spinning images of each other, but, um, Maddie's also amazing. His, you know, they always say behind a good, uh, you know, an amazing, a great guy is an even yeah. better woman. And yeah, that's kind of the case with me and with Andy too. <laughs> uh, well, you guys are both no, Andy, like phenomenal, like same deal. Like he was on here for over an hour, just BS and drinking bushes. Uh, it's, <laughs> I, it is great to see like in the NFL, it's so the NFL has gotten so corporate, you know, it's, um, it is a business, but like what you guys have kind of had the last few years, even as you go to different teams, it's kind of cool to see how close like you and Andy and Baker and like, yeah. you, you have a group like with your wives. It's it's different. It's it. I don't think every team kind of has that. Yeah, and I, I guess you're right. Like that is that is something that like I I've talked to guys. You know, I had a buddy, and I'm not going to name any teams, but who left Cleveland to go to another team, and he was just like, dude, it sucks. Like the women are petty. Like the the dudes don't they they're flashy. They don't want to do anything like just hang out and you know be down to earth. Dudes, they want to be flashy. They want to get a table. They want to fly out for this for the weekend. It's just like you know what happened to just chilling and having a good time, going to a restaurant and having a couple of beers at a bar. You know, like nothing crazy, nothing insane. Um, that that that's kind of camaraderie and team building and brother building um, that a lot of teams don't have and. You know, the uh, we used to do Taco Tuesdays with Baker almost every week. And, you know, there was just there was just things that we're not going to have anymore, which sucks. But, you know, hey, you know, he's on a different team and I, that, that's a part of life. And I think that that's a, you know, an important, important le- lesson we learned. But it's also it's unlike anything else in the world where you have friends. You know, I guess there's bull riders and people who, you know, have to travel and, you know, artists and entertainers and other people who you know, travel every day and put those, you know, financial, we're not financial, definitely not financial strains. That's, that's why we do it. That's why we put the relationship strains and, you know, family strains. And I think my mom texted me the other day. She goes, Hey, we haven't seen you. And I'm like, well, I'm training. I'm trying to, you know, lose fat for the season. So I don't get hurt. And, you know, it kind of sucks. And it's like, if I don't have, you know, bought a house in Cleveland, so, you know, I'm not going to buy this beautiful house and just let it, you know, collect dust, you know, might as well live in it. Um, I think that'd be a smarter decision financially. Uh, if you're going to buy this big house, you, you better live in it. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's definitely not a poor me. I think that it's an amazing thing, but you know, it does suck when the media is like, Oh, how you got to hate them now. And it's like, what, what are you talking about? You, I know we, I love Cleveland, but I also, I love Buffalo. I want to see Buffalo win every single game that they're in, except for when they play the Cleveland Browns. Right. Like, like, yeah. it's like <laughs> I have ties and I have these friends and, I have these relationships that obviously I want to see them do the best. Um, and I think that sometimes, you know, our world is so fast and it's so, it's so black and white. It's got to be this way that, you know, we forget that every issue and every problem is complex and it's much deeper than the face issues. You know, I think that that's what I've learned in my five years in the NFL. Um, but, you know, it's, there's a lot of those brotherhood, or the, a lot of those relationships that you just, they're going to be for life. And, you know, that's, that's one of those with Baker. That's one of those with Andy. Um, it's those guys that, you know, whenever I'm in Wisconsin, you know, whenever I'm in Nebraska, uh, Baker's wife is from Nebraska and Carly, like I said, Carly met all of her friends from Nebraska. And, you know, whenever we're in Austin, you know, now we know people and it's, I don't know anybody in Nebraska. I don't know anybody in Wisconsin. I don't know anybody in tech, you know, not a lot of people in Texas. So it's like, it's good to be able to have those uh, yeah. relationships where a job for, you know, hopefully you play for 15 years, but that's just not the case for everyone um, kind of builds up those relationships for life. It's awesome. It's, it's just so refreshing to hear, you know, I think the NFL has become so dehumanized in so many ways. Like you guys are just faces behind a face mask names to plug into a fantasy lineup, just, you know, people kind of moving in transactions. I mean, when we had Andy on, it, he talked about when he got traded from Denver to Cleveland, and I, 
it's just great to hear. Like, I mean, you guys are friends. Like, and, and friendships yeah. can last for life. That 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 shit matters. It really does. Yeah, it does. And but no, it's awesome. And and that, you know, those are the things you always you know you always try to remind yourself of, and the reasons you play the you know play the game each year. Um, you know, you have to remind yourself uh, because the season's long and the season's a grind. Um, so you kind of have to. Each week, remind yourself, all right, why am I trying to get better? What's the point yeah. of me getting better this week? Well, I want to be the best at what I do. I want to win. Uh, I want I want to win every game that we have. I mean, why would we be out there? Why would we be keeping score if, you know, if we didn't want to win? So I think that that's the case with the with the team we have. And I think that the, you know, Browns, if we stay healthy, you know, last year I thought we were going to win a lot of games and we didn't stay healthy and we didn't win a lot of games and, you know, Everybody's like, oh, Super Bowl? Well, of course, we're Cleveland Browns fans. Of course, we think we're going to the Super Bowl. But, um, you know, I think that uh, I think that it's, you know, important to stay healthy. You know, I, I always, you know, I always pray for that. You know, as a team, we can win or lose. You know, I really want to win. But we can win or lose, but I just, I pray for health. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Wyatt, great to see you, man. Thanks so much for doing this. Of course, I'll see you. you didn't, Thank you. You didn't drink. You didn't drink much whiskey, though. I hope you're able to get. You're able to finish that glass off. Oh, there's. I drank three. Oh, it's gone. <laughs> it's gone. I guess you didn't drink it. Okay, never mind. <laughs> and I'm not. I'm not drinking. I'm not drinking like sixty proof or like little beers. I'm drinking. I'm drinking like hundred and thirty. That's true. Proof. That's true. Yeah, we're, we're we're pounding juice box boy from Hamburg. Yeah, here, so it's a little. And it's a little different. That wrong but when you got when you got nice stuff you gotta you gotta savor it you can't just sit it you can't just shoot it you gotta sit it and enjoy it but all right see you guys great great to see you man like i said open invite thanks a lot wyatt thank you yeah